0: As we continue in our series on the church, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11. Uh, Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Acts is located in the Bible, here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents and there you're gonna find that the Bible is broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. So find the New Testament, five books in is Acts, go to chapter 11. If you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible and there you're going to find that Acts is about two thirds of the way down that list. So again, Acts chapter 11. Now, when I was in high school, my dad had this buddy who had two huge English mastiffs, Uh, you know, these big, massive dogs. And it's funny, the dogs' names were Zeus and Hera, like the Greek gods, but they were massive. They looked like small horses. They were so big. And I remember when I would go over to my dad's friend's house, that they just looked so big and aggressive and intimidating. And the funniest thing about these two dogs is my dad was getting constantly called by his friend to come and help him find his dogs because they constantly broke out of the backyard. They would literally bust through the wood that the, that the fence was made of that surrounded the backyard, that enclosed the backyard. And my dad's buddy tried over and over. He tried thicker wood and he tried panels of wood. And at one point, he even put up sheets of metal to try and contain these dogs. And that didn't even work. The dogs would get up on the corners and the edges of the metal and they would shake it and yank on it and bite at it until the bolts had pulled apart or broken. These dogs... Were, were incontainable, uncontainable. They, you couldn't keep them in the yard and they were crazy. They were the friendliest, sweetest dogs in the world. They, they would not harm a fly. But believe me, if you were going down the street and you saw one of those two big English Mastiffs walking toward you, you would go the other direction because they just looked so mean and huge and intimidating. And so they were basically unstoppable. No matter what my dad's buddy did, there was nothing he could do to contain them if they decided they wanted to get out. He could not stop the force, the strength of these two dogs. Now, have you ever encountered an unstoppable force? Uh, For example, Maybe you've seen one of those videos where a train is heading towards an intersection and there's a truck or a car that has stalled out right on the tracks and that train just comes through and just blows through the car and it doesn't even flinch. It doesn't skip or slow down at all. It's as if the car was never there. Maybe you've seen something like that, or maybe you've seen the aftermath of like a tornado that goes through and goes over a barn and just levels the barn to the ground and just keeps going. There are so many things in this world that we think are unstoppable forces, but in reality, there's only one true unstoppable force. And we're going to read about that in today's account from the early church. So as you're turning to Acts chapter 11, um, we are going to look at the last few verses of Acts chapter 10. Uh, So just FYI, but let me do a little recap. Last week, we read the account from Peter's life and the account of the early church where Peter receives a vision from heaven. And basically, we, long story short, we realized that the heaven, the Vision is not so much about the items that Peter is actually seeing, but it has to do with how Peter sees people and how he approaches them. He, he specifically goes and ministers, speaks Jesus into the life of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And here's how the account ends. Peter gives, I want you to look with me in chapter 10, starting in verse 44. So Acts 10, verse 44. As you're finding that, let me recap what has just happened. Cornelius has told Peter about this angelic vision that he's had from God. And Peter shares the gospel, shares the good news of Jesus with Cornelius and everybody in his household. And look at the response, chapter 10, verse 44. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were, he- for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So Peter has shared Jesus, has shared the good news, the gospel with these people. And God proves that he was using Peter to reach people that were not Jewish people, not Israelite people, that he was reaching those outside of the nation of Israel. And so he proves this by giving the people there the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, these physical manifestations of the work of God starts to reveal themselves and everybody there is amazed at what God's doing. And it's pretty phenomenal. Now, pick back up with me in Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Let's see what happens after this. Acts chapter 11, verse one. And it says this, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began, and explained it to them in order. So pause right there for a moment. Let me explain, unpack what's happening here. You see, Peter has traveled now back to Jerusalem And he is immediately confronted by a group of believers, and they're in this book, in the book of Acts, they're referred to multiple times as the circumcision party. Now, this was a group in the early church that were Jewish believers, and they believed that anyone who became a follower of Jesus had to then convert to Jewish faith and Jewish laws, namely from the the name that they're given in the book of Acts, namely that men had to be circumcised and they had major problems with the fact that Peter had gone to someone who was not a Jew and shared Jesus with him. They aren't exactly celebrating what's happening here. They're not excited. They're not happy. They're kind of upset with Peter for even going to a non-Jewish person's house. So Peter explains what happened. He he explains how he had a vision and how a sheet was dropped down and on this sheet were all these animals and the voice came from heaven and told him kill and eat. But on this sheet among the animals were animals that were unclean. And according to Leviticus 11, as we explained last week, Peter was not allowed as a Jew to eat some of the things that were on this sheet. So he pushes back against the voice and says, I can't do that. And the voice repeats the process three times over and over. And towards the end, at the end of that third time, Some men who were sent by this Roman centurion named Cornelius, they arrive where Peter's at and tell him about this vision that Cornelius has had from God that Peter's supposed to come and bring some message from God to Cornelius. So Peter and his guys go up to the city where uh, Cornelius is at, uh, the city of Caesarea. They go up there and Peter sees and uh, understands what's going on, shares the gospel. And these men come to know Jesus in the household. Now pick up again. Acts chapter 11, verse 15 is where we're going to be now. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 15. So he has just shared what he witnessed and what he did and what he said to him. And this is the conclusion of him explaining what had happened. Verse 15 of chapter 11, it says, and Peter's talking, it says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them and just as on us at the beginning and i remembered the word of the lord how he said john baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit <clears throat> if then god gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the lord jesus christ who was i that i could stand in god's way verse 18 and when they heard these things they fell silent And they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Pretty amazing account. I I especially love what Peter says at the end of verse verse 17. It says, who was I that I could stand in God's way? You see, That statement actually is what I wanna focus on today. And that statement, because it's the focus, leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that summarizes that week's main point. And today's big idea is this. If God plans it, God does it. Let me say that again. If God plans it, God does it. You see, When God plans to do something, it will be done no matter what we do. It's a a term that we in church world call God's sovereignty. A sovereignty meaning that it is someone with full authority and full control. God is sovereign. He is in control. And he will do what he says he will do. He is an unstoppable Force. And so God plans it, God does it. God's sovereignty. Let me give you some biblical examples of God's sovereignty for just a moment. If you were to go back into Acts chapter 5, verse 39, it's this speech, and we covered it weeks ago, but it's this speech amongst the religious leaders about what to do with the leaders of the early church. They've been arrested. The, the leaders are debating, do we, do we kill them? Do we beat them? Do we do this? Do we do that? And one of the great religious leaders of that day, a guy named Gamaliel, is, says this. Acts 5, verse 39, Gamaliel says, "'But if it is from God, "'you will not be able to stop these men.'" you will only find yourself fighting against God himself. Job, an Old Testament book, Job 42 verse 2 says this, I know that you can do all things, and catch this, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Pretty amazing. Uh, Listen to what Proverbs nineteen verse twenty one says Proverbs nineteen twenty one says many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that actually prevails. Colossians chapter one verses sixteen and seventeen. Colossians one sixteen and seventeen, it says this for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And catch this part. And in him, all things hold together. Now there's so many passages that speak of God's sovereignty, his power, his unstoppable forcefulness. But one of the most beautiful passages that speaks of this is in Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, verse 28. And it basically says that God works all things together, but the best part about this passage is it says he works all things together for the good of those who are called by the name of Jesus Christ. You see, God's not just sovereign to do whatever he wants, although that is 100% true. God is sovereign to do whatever he wants, but he chooses to do what's best for our good. If God plans it, God does it. And that is a good thing for us. That is good news for us. Because if God, in his unstoppable force, in his power, in his sovereignty, if he's for us, then who can be against us? His power is working for us. But here's the cool thing. If we follow him, we are working for him as well. You see, it all works together. We submit to him, we follow him, we do what he's called to us to do. And God works all of that out for us through his sovereignty. So who are we to stand in God's way? That's what Peter says, who am I to stand in God's way? But how do we apply this? What does this mean for us as followers of Christ and as the church, as the gathering of believers? Well, I think that this passage gives us three things that we need to notice today. The first one is there are three actions that we take to respond to the, the fact that if God plans it, God does it. And the first action that we do in response is that we follow him. We follow him. When we recognize God moving and God directing and God executing a plan, either through our lives or in the world around us, our role is to follow him. It involves submitting to where he's leading, submitting to following, not taking charge and not doing things the way we want. It's submitting to his perfect plan. And let's be honest, you may not like where God takes you, you may not like the direction that God takes the culture or the world, but that doesn't change the fact that God is in control, not us. And our role is to follow him. Maybe you're watching right now and maybe you don't know God. but Maybe you're listening and maybe, maybe the idea that there is an unstoppable force that is looking out for the good of you, maybe that sounds like something you could use in your life. Maybe you could use the confidence. Maybe you could use the the assurance that you are cared for because you follow, you believe in a perfect, almighty, all-knowing creator of the universe. Maybe that's you today, but maybe you've got questions. Maybe you wanna know more about Jesus and what it looks like to follow him or, or maybe you're ready to make that decision right now. If that's you, I want you to know this, Jesus was and he is the son of God. He lived a perfect sinless life while he was on this earth and it's because of that life that he lived that he was qualified to die and take on our punishment in our place. And on the third day, after dying on that cross, taking our sin on himself so that we could be forgiven, three days after that, he rose from the grave. He became alive again, proving that he is the son of God and showing us that in his sovereignty, he has victory. He has victory over sin and victory over death and he offers you that victory. You can believe in him and no longer have to worry about an eternity of punishment, but instead live an eternity in perfection with Jesus. And if you want to know more, if you're ready to make a commitment, whatever, if, if, if you've got questions or you want to know how to take the next steps, I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to go to our website right now and go to the contact us page. Fill that out and we will reach out to you as soon as we can. But please don't do nothing. If you are feeling a tug, if this feels appealing go to the website and reach out to us and let us answer any questions that you might have about Jesus. So there are three actions that we take in response to understanding that if God plans it, he does it. The first response was that we follow him. We submit our lives wholly and completely to him. The second response is we give to him. So we follow him and we give to him. We give our resources up to him so that they can be used for his purpose. Our attention, our time, our service, uh, our our possessions and our, our, our finances, everything belongs to God and we use those things for God. And so when we recognize that if God says it, he does it, If God plans it, he does it. We respond in three ways. We follow him, we give to him. And thirdly, we celebrate him. We celebrate what God is doing. You see, Peter celebrated when Cornelius and his family came to know Jesus. When they came to know Jesus, Peter celebrated, he was happy, he was rejoicing that all nations were now called to follow Jesus. But some of the guys in the church didn't like it. And they were not ready to celebrate until Peter explained and unpacked and then they began to celebrate. But I want you to notice that they celebrated despite the fact that God was doing something that they weren't crazy about. You see the people of this circumcision party, they were not excited about non-Jews coming to know Jesus. It wasn't what they thought God was gonna do. But when Peter explained it, and Peter explained, who was I to stand in the way of what God was doing? When he explained that, <clears throat> even the people of the circumcision party celebrated at what God was doing. It was so amazing to all who witnessed it. You see, sometimes though, that means that we are not the Peter or Cornelius people from this account, sometimes, because God goes a direction that we didn't expect or weren't particularly looking forward to, when that happens, sometimes, we're less like Peter and Cornelius and we're much more like the circumcision party. The guys that are questioning why God's doing this and they, they're not celebrating and they're not happy, even though clearly God is the one doing this. We may not like what God's plan means for us. You see, following God means that you're gonna have to grow. Grow is one of our four values, core values here at First Southern. We, uh, our mission statement is we exist to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus and we accomplish that through our four core values. The first one is we have strong beliefs. We believe. The second one is that we grow, which means we we change. Growth means change. The third one is we connect to God, to our church family and to our community. And in that connection, the fourth one is we serve God and our church family and our community. In this case, We have to learn to grow with where God is taking us. We have to be flexible. We have to be willing to change the things that we see, the things that we want, the opinions we have. We have to be flexible to change and maneuver based off of what God wants to do, not what we want to do. You see, if God plans it, he does it. It's as simple as that. And that means that we may have to reevaluate how we see people. It means that we may have to see people, uh, train ourselves, and, and be conscious and intentional about seeing people through the compassionate eyes of Jesus, our Savior. It also means that we may have to reevaluate how we see the church. You know, we may have to reevaluate and see through the plan that God has for the church to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And sometimes that means that the church has to change as well. Obviously within biblical boundaries, we're not going to go outside of what God's word tells us, but sometimes there are things we do or believe or patterns we follow that are not necessarily good or bad, not, they're not tied to the Bible and they were effective maybe one day, but maybe now God's calling us to something different. And so we have to reevaluate how we see the church. And then we also may have to reevaluate how we see the culture and the world around us. We have to see it as something that God is actually in control of. The movements that we see around the world and in our culture, governments rising and falling, uh, elections, um, protests, things that are swaying, things that are happening, all those things are in God's control. And we don't have to be scared of them. We don't have to worry about them. We don't have to be anxious about them because God is in control. We may not like the direction he's taking it, but we can be reassured that he in fact is in control. You see, it boils down to this. It boils down to, do you really trust God and his sovereignty? Do you really trust it? Do you really believe that if God plans it, God does it? Do you truly believe that? Do you truly believe that God is an unstoppable force and that whatever he plans, he does? Do you believe that? If you don't, you'll never be able to follow him and give to him and celebrate him when he does something amazing. So here's the closing question. In what way do you struggle to follow him? to give to him and to celebrate what he's doing when he's doing something different when that we may not be comfortable with. Let's go to the Lord now and ask him to have, help us to have trust in him. Join me in prayer. (laughs) Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we pray that we would trust. Jesus multiple times said, Oh, you of little faith. And Lord, we recognize today that in so many areas of our lives, we have little faith. And so, God, we pray that you would show us how to have strong faith, to truly trust in your sovereignty. Help us to follow you. Help us to give towards your plan and help us to celebrate when you do something whether we're uncomfortable with it or not. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.